0: I uh, don't really want to start the show, but I thought you might like to know that my nephew is going to talk about movies and he wants you to talk about movies with them. So let me introduce to you the one and only uh, nephew and Grunkles Movie Month podcast.
1: Listen, it's my party and I'll grunk if I want to. All right. You should grunk if you. I'll grunk if I want to because this is my freaking party, bro.
0: Yeah, thanks for the invite um mighty kind of you to have me on uh after you know my my track record you know i've really just you know i just i've i'm going to you have a track
1: record you have a track record for loving colonialism a track record for spewing misinformation you know we're what we would call reliable sources
0: i objection (laughs) because i no 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 your honor
1: yeah well you can just edit that out right you can oh censor. i can just edit it you can out. Just, yeah you can just censor the world around you i am an
0: orwellian figure i guess so mm. maybe i ah, damn but i shouldn't say that either because that's just confirming what you what i just objected to isn't it mm, what can you do but i i don't you know the editing room is a, a place for the proletariat let me tell you and that's me your uncle.
1: And I'm the nephew, and we're here watching movies, pa-usual. Yeah,
0: what, are we ever not? I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, come on, folks. What do we watch this week, Grunkle?
0: Well, uh, I could tell you it's a a lively week. Uh, Lots of energies here in these movies. We've got Tammy Show, Teenage Award Musical, Music International, or whatever, just... Terrible word salad acronym bullshit. It it is. Uh, yeah, what is it? Uh, Teenage Awards Music International. Yep, that makes sense.
1: Or maybe it's Teenage Music International.
0: Right. It was Who both knows? apparently.
1: Who knows? Not even we know.
0: We never know anything.
1: No. no, that's not true.
0: We are fountains. Good take after good take.
1: Agreed. And then
0: we watched uh, Mishima, Life in Four Chapters. <clears throat> and then we finished off with the best of the week, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. The movie.
1: Yes, I misspoke last week, and I said it was Peter Frampton and his monkey-ass monkeys, but it's <laughs> actually Peter Frampton and his BG-ass B.G.s.
0: Had you um, not known it was the Bee Gees
1: before... Well, I just misspoke, you know? It's like, right. everything everything before I was born is the same thing, right? And so, parsing mm-hmm. out the primordial soup, you know, can be hard to do sometimes. And my spoon really isn't big enough. So, yeah, it's the Bee Gees, which is probably a better band than the Monkees TV. Um, because yeah, the
0: Monkees...
1: The monkeys, the monkeys, the monkeys also like have a, a
0: really good movie uh, called Head... Well...
1: Well, yeah, but the monkeys were like a TV show. like yeah, they like yeah, just yeah. Yeah, yeah, forced it was very forced. Oh. That's, yeah, was that's a different podcast. For, yeah. It's a different podcast. yeah,
0: maybe we'll and, watch hey, that.
1: <laughs> I kind of want to chew a piece of gum, but we're recording. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, not the best idea.
1: I don't know. maybe half a piece of gum. Nope.
0: Not a good idea.
1: Well, you just let me know if you can hear me chewing. okay.
0: Yeah, so we start off the week as I mentioned with Tammy Show. It's a concert film from 1964. It uh, was held at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium, and uh, free tickets were given out to local high school students, which is pretty 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 cool, if you ask me. Like uh, if but,
1: you if you were to do this today. To be like, yeah, we got Olivia Rodrigo and Billie Eilish and Harry Styles, and you walk into a high school and start handing out free tickets, you're probably going to get arrested in this state. People would be like, that's a lie. You're not doing that. You are trying to predate on children. (laughs)
0: Right, right. Yeah, it would be, uh, yeah.
1: But it was a mm different time,
0: yeah, just like massive acts. Um, yeah. And some of them massive acts that weren't massive yet, but still like well-established megastars. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy that that happened. Uh, and the film was released on my birthday, December 29th, 1964.
1: That um, is when you were born, 1964. Mm, no, 58 older years than ago.
0: that. I'm older yeah. than that. 68 oh, years. years ago too. 69. No, no, no.
1: You were actually at this concert, weren't you? So you were just like it was, reliving uh, the right? you
0: were it, it would be 15. Yeah, I was I was, yep, yeah, sure thing. Um but yeah, it's it's got um, the Beach Boys, it's got Chuck Berry, it's got Marvin Gaye, it's got James Brown, uh you it's got name the Leslie Gore, bro. The Supremes, the Rolling Stones.
1: What about Leslie Gore, bro? Nobody puts respect on her name. You know. How much Leslie Gore are you listening to? Uh, uh, probably let more Leslie Gore songs get played than a lot of these other people. You just don't know it, right? Sure thing. she's yep. a little bit harder to like pick out. Yeah, uh, okay. she had yep. like the longest set out of most anybody too. I think it. I think it shows, bro.
0: Um. Yeah. Okay. What about
1: and D? Okay, no, no more.
0: I picked this movie because (laughs) I am a little concert film goblin, gobbles vacuum, vacuum goblin that tries to suck up all the concert films I can find. Um, And this is one that I uh, had been meaning to watch for months and months now. And I finally got to watch it and it's much like many other concert films a mode through which i can sort of time travel and teleport to sort of see concerts that i would be oogly googly goggly for but it's impossible for me to see uh, the beach boys in 1964 live by going in person you know who knows with augmented reality and virtual reality and realm hopping and who knows what's going to be available in the future that I can hook up to and pay my little subscription and uh, oh I get to pay 200 uh, e-credits to watch the Beatles at Shea Stadium you know maybe that day will come but until then I've got my concert movies and another thing I really love about them is just like how many of them also operate as social documentaries this one less so than like the Pennebaker style and also yeah just like um like time capsule sort of window into different uh different place different time
1: i love it it's them. archival you know it's archival yeah very archival. and how many have you seen before this how many concert films have i seen yeah how many concert like films straight up concert films i don't know yeah. uh, stop making sense Oh, one of the best. Uh, Of course, I've seen Gentle Giant, Giant on the Box. Like you gotta have seen Giant on the Box if you want to call yourself a a prog stan, like myself. Uh, I've seen the Tammy Show, of course. Uh, Yeah, and um, and there is a there is like it's is
0: there is a difference between like a filmed concert and a concert film. I would say as well. Like there, that distinction exists. I
1: would say. Yeah, I would probably agree. Um, I would be inclined to say that this is a filmed concert. Then.
0: Yeah, this is more a filmed concert than a concert film. I yeah. would
1: oh, say. I've seen uh, Nirvana Unplugged. Does that count?
0: Uh, like the um, that yeah, that see, that's more of a filmed concert. I would
1: say. Right. Yeah, I feel like there is. Yeah, yeah, there's a big difference. Like, Stop Making Sense is a concert film. Yes. Without oh yeah. A doubt. For
0: sure. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I thought that for me was, yeah, like the big distinction for me when watching this movie is that it really wasn't very filmic for me. It felt like, um, like I mentioned before archival and that I still really enjoyed watching this for the most part, but that was mainly from like a historical perspective Mm -hmm. as opposed to an artistic perspective, because, there wasn't really a lot in this film happening from a storytelling point of view. You know what I mean? I think it's really just trying to express the mania and the, the hype around these legendary artists, most of them in the prime of their career. But it doesn't really, I don't know, try to make you feel a certain way necessarily. I think I think it's just yeah, an act of capturing something as opposed yeah, to... Direct it's cinema. very, very documentary. It's like pure documentary. Yeah, American direct
0: cinema uh, is yeah. like what
1: that would be. Oh, yes, uh, American uh, direct cinema. Yeah. Grunk TM.
0: Which is um, an essential aspect of the concert film, but you are uh, right in pointing out that, yeah, it doesn't really have much of that sort of narrative that many of the others do and many of the others do that purely through the edit uh but also contain like interviews of concert goers that sort mm. of paint yeah more of a...
1: right that inserts like a perspective even. Yeah. you know like this film did not have that did not have it was just very much but I would well, say this is probably what you would have seen if you were in the audience that day. Right,
0: but the, the camera work and, and the edit in this was cinematic enough for me that it uh, was, wasn't quite concert film, but was more than just a film concert. Uh, it, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, really great camera work and style uh, in this I found, and some of the, the editing was playful. But not not to the point that yet yeah, really felt any more than performers after performers just yeah. playing music from 1964.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, but it was it was super interesting to to engage with this um, musical canon from our perspective. You know. Um, I think watching this movie pointed out a lot of the issues I take with pop music in general and that there really is kind of, you know, three key songs, you know, three key like songwriting structures that I feel like get re- used over and over. And then that, that there's like a reason for that, too, because they are satisfying, They are. Right. They are proven to be groovy. Right,
0: and many American songbooks sort of have that as sort of an essential structure to the evolution of the music, the blues, folk, um, yeah, uh, sort of the rock and roll that becomes popular. It all sort of takes the same songs over and over again and just are played through different uh, both minds and creators and uh, musical styles, but is the same sort of um, beholdence to tradition.
1: Uh, Yeah, it's it's all about iteration. And you know, these people were all you know collaborating with each other, stealing from each other, copying right. each other. I mean you hear um,
0: little Richard or not little Richard, you hear Chuck Berry play uh Johnny be good. And then like two performers go by and then it's the Beach Boys and they do surf in USA and it's the same exact guitar riff. Like you hear like yeah. it's there. And it's yeah. some of it's stealing some of it's just the nature of the American songbook. And yeah, like Bob like what some would call stealing, what others would call I don't know, just the way everyone else does it because i think that's
1: a greater conversation about art as a whole because my personal philosophy is that once you make something and put it out into the world like you really can't take ownership in of it in a physical sense you know like you take that like personal maybe moral is a strong word but a moral responsibility for what you've created but it isn't yours anymore because you've given it to the world and to other people and so yeah. yeah it's only a matter of time before you know people copy each other people steal um and to to make art to make music and a big part of music in this time period was about commercialism and selling these songs and You make songs that sound like other songs that have sold well, and that song is probably gonna sell well too. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that is my base aversion to pop music as as it stands. Because like one of my favorite bands is my favorite band because every single one of their albums sounds so completely different. Whereas this, at, at a certain point, it kind of like becomes white noise to to a certain extent like like for me personally whenever i hear like a pre pet sounds beach boy song it might as well be white noise
0: oh wow i love all their surf rock stuff
1: i don't know like it's just like the surfy groove bops back and forth but then like everything else kind of
0: the harmonies
1: yeah the harmonies uh sure
0: um lots of great performances in this film though
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. The performances That's, are fantastic across the board. James
0: Brown. I mean, what like the the whole the entire James Brown sequence makes this movie. Yeah, it was watching. very funny.
1: Like, I really like the part where they like came out with the coat and were like, James, we you're having you're having a seizure, bro. We got him Off the stage, and he's like, No, 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 no. I gotta I gotta do my feet thing one more time. I gotta do my little dance. And yeah, I um. Yeah, like Leslie Gore was a big highlight for me as well, um, uh-huh. and it's really interesting to like have these people play like next to each other. You know, like have the Beach Boys play with Jan and Dean, who really right. did create like the surf rock sound that the Beach right. Boys popularized. You know, you have chuck berry playing with what was it the pacemakers like they're playing the same song you know chuck berry is the one who kind of took blues and made it rock and roll and then it ends with the rolling stones who are still you know with a with a fetal mick jagger right as they getting the torch passed off yeah exactly they're like they're taking this bluesy surfy sound and they're still playing into it but you can like i don't know hear the threads that would become like the the harder rock. The that, sticky you know, fingers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah like they were the ones doing guitar solos and stuff. Everybody else is just riffing and stuff. Yeah, that's. But yeah, I don't know. Well it was, it was like well I said, said before, interesting from a historic perspective. But like to me, concert movie, like movies to me are about, they really are about narrative. You know, like I think that, that art as a whole isn't necessarily about narrative and that you can enter a project, like, being like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna focus too much on like, what story we're telling, we're just trying to capture this and that and the feeling. But like, ultimately, a collection of feelings is still a narrative. Ultimately, you can capture real life as it is, but the way you present it tells a story, whereas this just didn't.
0: Well, I think, I think there's certainly, narrative within the music and within the editing what's
1: the narrative that oh my girlfriend left me and that makes me sad or or the narrative is oh my boyfriend is dating another girl or Less I like the, surfing on the, <laughs> on the waves. No, and going no, <laughs> no. When the, they called the Beach Boys real surfers, I about Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: that's funny. With
1: that, with that doughy little Brian yeah. Wilson, like, oh my God, poor, poor kid, poor kid.
0: It's, it's less narrative in the lyrics of each individual song, but more speaking to what you were just laying out earlier. You just laid out a narrative. Um, and I think very succinctly and essentially so that it like speaks to the narrative of something like this that yeah, but I don't
1: of... I don't think that I think that is kind of like a historical imposition I can put on this as somebody sitting in 2022 watching this on my computer right. as opposed to being a 16 year old girl screaming my head off in 1964 you know yeah. like I like I don't think I think that that the concert was with the, that performances itself has to follow, you know, a certain ebb and flow. We're trying to hit this point and that point, but I don't know. I maybe that is a story. Maybe. I think it is. Think and it's it,
0: like, it, this is, this is operating as a film. I mean, it is, yes, it is a filmed concert, but we're not, we, I mean, we are literally now, obviously not watching it as girls in 1964. And so that sort of, narrative that we can glean from it is is there for us you know and in, and in that way we do engage with it in a linear and narrative sense it just doesn't necessarily have hard plot
1: sure yeah i i suppose that's fair i don't know maybe i'd have to watch it again to do so but i really don't like i don't know particularly see myself sitting down and watching this again i was playing backgammon for a lot of it in yeah. full Full honesty because because like yeah there wasn't too too much in the editing it was mostly just you can glance every every one second out of every five seconds and you're you're getting the shot or probably more right. than that but that i'm just making up numbers at this point and we also should say that there were boys at this concert let there be known there were also boys at this concert you oh, couldn't, of couldn't <laughs> hear them you couldn't hear them unlike the girls where there was just a, a constant din of of female screeching for the entire show. And it was just so funny. Like one of these guys would like wave and it would just be like, he ah! <laughs> was like, wow. It's also funny how bad people were dancing back then.
0: I would have been shrieking. You probably would have been shrieking. Of course and I would have been, been shrieking. Been,
1: I would have been like the dad who like brought you yeah. here. And then the tickets were free, you know. So I bet there were yeah. like zero parents there and it was like california in the 1960s where like any douchebag with an ice pit can get away with murder so it's like not like people were paying attention to what was going on
0: (laughs) oh yeah the 60s are notorious for people not knowing what was going on yeah it's not not like it exploded with people realizing what was going on or anything
1: yeah and it's not like ignorance went anywhere we're just we're just woke af on the grunkle pod hell
0: yeah it's speak
1: truth to power Happy Pride Month, everyone!
0: Yeah, I mean, it is Pride
1: Month, so we watched the Tammy show. Yeah, Tammy show. I'm
0: I'm glad that you had uh, takeaways, like you know. Oh yeah, what
1: you you thought that I was just gonna like totally zone it out or like watch it while napping or something?
0: (laughs) Maybe, maybe, maybe less less extreme than that, but uh, that you had you know an enjoyable experience is all I could ask
1: for yeah for sure for sure I'm, i was kind of like imagining like what my tammy show would be in this day and age but oh. i would much rather see like one artist do a two-hour set than 20 artists do right
0: an eight minute set you know right. what i mean yeah yeah me too
1: but yeah the i i would also love like when I was watching this and like just watching the background dancers and it's like, they're, I guess I shouldn't say they're bad at dancing. They're good dancers, but just the choreography at the time. Oh, I love that go-go
0: stuff. Ridiculous. No, the go-go. It's It's No,
1: it is. It's just like violent gyration. um,
0: I know it's, it's, I, I like go-go. I like, I like hip. You
1: you claim there's finesse in there? It's no, it's not
0: finesse. It's not finesse at all, but it's uh, sort of like, Sharp and erratic, and um, yeah. i I I I I fucked with, with go go dancing, and I fucked with the dancers in this. That's another thing, it's like the production and like the scaffolding in the background, and all these dancers are so
1: weird. But like, while awesome, I was watching it, was awesome. it I, I realized that I was much more interested in the production than necessarily the, the concert, you know, like I'd be right. very interested in like that's if, your if this theater. Were, Right. It is for sure. For sure. But to like a a film about the production of the Tammy show, like maybe shot in black and white, and then like all the fictional narrative is like none of the performers are there. You know what I mean? Because it's like the performers are like essentially a given and they walk in on the day and just walk out and sing and leave kind of thing. So it's like, what are the people who are actually putting up the posters, scheduling the, the rehearsals, getting the tickets out there you know like what what I, I think like that would be that would be an awesome film that would be a concert film but i also have yeah i don't know i have ideas i suppose and now all the listeners can steal them so i won't i won't give you any more uh, <laughs> okay well, did not know you had that in you really no i definitely did yeah come on now
0: uh shall we move on to the juiciest
1: burger that you can order oh it is it is a juicy burger one juicy burger now with extra roy the next film on the weekly docket is paul schrader's nishima a life in four chapters paul schrader american director screenwriter um, most well-known for his film Taxi Driver, which he made with Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro. Um, most recently, he made The Card Counter with Oscar Isaac and First Reformed with Ethan Hawke. And he's made plenty of other great movies along the way. Mishima, most notably, in my opinion. And maybe in my uncle's opinion. I guess we'll find out. But this is a film about a Japanese author, poet, playwright named Yukio Mishima, pen named Yukio Mishima rather. And the final moments before the most climactic, dramatic event of his life where Mishima, a man of many eccentricities and hobbies, had started an army 10 years prior to his death And one day decided to take his army to the head of the army in Japan and under the guise of a friendly meeting, then takes hostage the lead general of the Japanese army and forces the garrison to listen to a speech of his about the degradation of the honor and morals and values of Japanese society and how... We must abandon capitalism and commercialism in order to serve the emperor and to make Japan great again. Ugh. he does—he does have a little little right-wing energy for sure. But and um, this speech was met by the Japanese army with utter discontent, and they booed him off the stage. Essentially, uh, after which he he uh, went inside and committed seppuku. Um, which is a a ritualistic form of suicide in Japanese culture. And as I explain these events to you, you're probably wondering, Elliot, why would an author create an army and then take it to, you know, Fort Knox equivalent or whatever, and, you know, um, put his life on the line like this? And the moment, the, the scene I've just described, Uh, occurs at the end of Paul Schrader's film and the prior hour 45 minutes is a look at um Mishima's life and some of his major works in attempt to explain or understand um yeah his his many many eccentricities um he was a certainly a complicated figure and the film reveals this slowly to us um it's my third time watching it. Your second, right, Grunkle? My second time. It's your second, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's definitely a film that really only gets better every time I've seen it, at least. The first time I saw it, I was like, wow, blown away, 10 out of 10. But like every time I've seen it, I'm like, yep, this is, that's it. That's that's the That's the target, you know what I mean? Like he really delivers such a complicated and authentic it feels authentic at least you know what i mean as as an american you know, kind of tucked away from the culture to a certain extent with my little internet machine that i can pretend to explore these different worlds and these different value systems and ideologies um you know but but, but this film really does feel so authentic to who Mishima was as a person. And, and even his his celebrity is complicated. He is one of the most cherished and treasured um, authors in in Japan and in Japanese history, but so much of his identity is not accepted as you know, he was a, a gay man and or you know, he at least loved men. You know, maybe he loved women too. This film doesn't really explore that aspect of his character. And as we take a look at Mishima's life shot in black and white, we get these amazing, incredible inserts of fictionalizations of his novels that kind of underscore or complements. They don't really underscore. They do really run parallel. They are weighted equally within the structure of the film. And each quarter of the film tackles a um a quarter of Mishima's life essentially and includes one of his major works with the final chapter being his final major work because yeah I don't know this this film is um is very hard to talk about I remember when we both first watched this movie we were talking about it before we I guess that was maybe after the first movie month you know it was maybe a an interim movie month flick and we were just like yeah like What do we even say? Like, how do we even describe this? How do we even talk about it? And it it still is, I I think it's because it is so large of a film that, that aims to communicate and share and expose so much all at the same time that it really blows you away.
0: Yeah, it's the it's the measurement of a a human life, uh, the the measurement of an artist. Um, it's sort of in the same vein of Jacko, which we watched. I think it's our first episode that we talked about Jacko. Yeah, it sort of looks at an artist's life through their work uh, and through them as all the sort of fragments of a person. Um, that makes up the whole and yeah and in examining an artist through their work you not only experience what they created parallel to who we view them historically but also you see all of themselves that they put into their characters too um and that as exploring the person as well so you get so much of like i don't know like the the layers of of personage that you you really
1: get to feel to feel the fullness of being
0: you know yeah. What I mean, yeah. a
1: fullness of. And specifically of
0: an artist, someone who creates.
1: Right, and... totally. C- creation is a huge part of. But
0: it's also so self destructive, both his characters and inevitably himself, because especially when you watch this film multiple times, the destruction of self, both through art and through um, suicide uh, in the end, is inevitable, literally, because you've seen it, but also. The way that the pieces fold together, it's it's it seems like it should have been clear from the start that this is how this ends.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, it is it is not immediately apparent, right. at least. But but what Schrader does so brilliantly from a directorial point of view is the way he like sneaks things in. Like you can see these critical moments in Mishima's development then reoccur in his work you can see moments in his work repeat themselves in his real life you get to see these such strange constructions of a mind that it really feels like and what what, what is so interesting too is that we are getting a filmic adaptation of, of novel segments for the most part you know we never get a full novel, necessarily, but these these critical segments of um, of these novels, and but they're they're constructed in a way not that they're from Schrader's mind, that they would almost be constructed in Mishima's mind, that this is almost what he is experiencing, seeing, imagining, and then it is just bleeding out of him, almost literally, and that is just it's just i don't know it feels like he has put in so much work into trying to understand this person and it it shows and and i'm sure he you know has taken his own creative rib- liberties but you know i don't know part of me thinks like he went full jim carrey and was like i'm i'm yukio mishima don't call me paul yeah. call me mishima <laughs> you know like yeah fully just losing himself in it and this movie is like maybe the most beautiful movie ever made like from a visual perspective i mean it's certainly up there um aside from you know something like coin <laughs> and like, like both c- capturing the natural world both held up like, by philip glass
0: my yeah name. both
1: held up by philip glass oh right philip glass. totally
0: philip glass is a fucking pillar that yeah. can just elevate. Um, yeah, it's the like cinematic. If, if you, uh, he's so good you, at it, man. If
1: you got a good movie and you want it to be great, hit up, hit up Pip Class. Yeah.
0: But, yeah. Ins- yeah.
1: Oh man, that that one part in the music when um, the Mishima theme comes in at the beginning of the second chapter, and it's like on the groovy guitar thing, and it's like going in and out. It's like insane. Yeah. It's really beautiful and what's also interesting about this movie is is that as we as as each chapter comes to a close we never get to really see the climax we get like right before the end and then just the ending of this film is just this four-way climax it's a four-way climax honestly you know very the the elusive four-way climax of all four of these stories coming to a head As Mishima attempts to marry art and action. That is his core philosophy, the harmony of the pen and sword. How
0: and he has to take his own life can
1: be a samurai. Yeah, exactly. Because he he feels he feels, yeah, in order to 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 make his life a work of art. Yeah. He has to destroy his dream. His he must take. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's two quotes from the movie I wanna. I want to slam because the first time I saw this movie, it was like these two quotes that like really like sent me, so to speak, that I was just like, whoa. Um, In my earliest years, I realized life consisted of two contradictory elements. One was words, which could change the world. The other, the world itself, which had nothing to do with words and the that was that's earlier in the movie uh, movie and then later in the film never in physical action had i discovered the chilling satisfaction of words never in words had i experienced the hot darkness of action somewhere there must be a higher principle that reconciles art and action that principle it occurred to me is death
0: yeah there you go like there yeah, you go
1: that's the fucking movie right there honestly yeah. Yeah. and but getting getting to experience it over 2 hours of impeccable editing amazing performances a multicultural winding road as we as we take a look at japanese culture from an from almost an entirely american perspective the film was written by i believe it has 3 writers no f- yep 4 writers um, oh, because Yukio Mishima is credited. But uh, the three writers being Paul and his brother, Leonard, and Leonard's wife, uh, Kiyoki. Chiyoko. Chiyoko, I think, you know, yeah, what you Chiyoko. Say. Shit, shit wrong here all the time. But his um, Paul's brother's wife was a Japanese woman. So from almost an entirely American perspective, we examine you know, this life. And um, notably, the first time we watched this movie, we listened to the Japanese narration, which is with uh, Ken Ogata, who plays Nishimba throughout the film. But this time we listened to the narration with Roy Scheider. Now, why Paul Schrader was like, Roy, I need you to, to narrate this movie. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but thank God he did, because Roy is amazing the the like the narrator like his lines in this movie like both those lines I shared earlier were narrator lines um it has some of the best lines in this movie and his delivery is impeccable and it like adds to that cultural dissonance that's happening in this film yeah then it really I don't know it it isn't totally superficial it isn't just because American audiences only want to half read subtitles because the rest of the uh, of the of the audio is in japanese and performed by exclusively japanese actors and yeah i uh i just can't say enough good things about this movie i mean after watching it this time i feel like it's got to be top five last time i was like maybe it's top 10 but like now i'm like it's it's top five i think it's top five
0: it's pretty phenomenal
1: I think I think it's like Mishima, My Dinner with Andre, Do the Right Thing, Safe, and like I don't know what am I forgetting? Synecdoche, New York. Those are probably my five favorite movies. If you ask me, right now.
0: There you go. Mine's probably Sergeant Pepper's, Sergeant Pepper's, oh, Sergeant Pepper's, that's that's Sergeant it. Pepper's. Pepper's. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts club band from 1978, a film directed by Michael Schultz, sort of based off of an off-Broadway show of the same name, but with on the road tacked on at the end. It's a jukebox musical starring Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees. And it uses Beatles songs primarily from Sergeant Pepper's and Abbey Road.
1: Emphasis on use.
0: Um, Recontextualizes in brilliant, fantastic splendor. How about that?
1: Um, Yeah, that I take more objection
0: with. Okay, well, this is my movie month. It's Gronkles' movie month, so I'm going to talk about Sergeant Pepper's the way I want to talk about Sergeant Pepper's. Just kidding. It's everybody's movie month. We love everybody here.
1: Yeah, including here he goes backpedaling again.
0: <laughs> Damage control. We love it. <laughs> um, but no, uh, Sergeant Pepper's, yeah, Lonely Hearts Club Band. stars Peter Frampton as Billy Shears, grandson of Sergeant Pepper, who in 1918, as the US of A, came into the First World War. Sergeant Pepper and his Lonely Hearts Club Band toured Europe, bringing Jammo, mammo, slamos to everybody around and was just overall just for the, the nicest, bestest band you could ever see and home, uh, hometown of Heartland uh, who is uh, looked after by Mr. Kite, the mayor and in the in the future, uh, not the future, but present day at 1978 at least. Uh, the grandson of Sergeant Pepper, Billy Shears, uh, decides to reform the band and they have to retrieve instruments from the future villain band, an autocratic, evil band played by Aerosmith that uh, through corporate evil pipelines and minions has stolen the original instruments of Sergeant Pepper and the Lonely Hearts Club Band. and
1: the, the Mean Mr. Mustard being their chief device.
0: Yeah, the real estate agent Mean Mr. Mustard and his robot babes. Um, and yes, yeah, it's, it's a film by Michael Schultz. It was the largest budget given to a Black filmmaker in the U.S. Uh, up to that point. And it stars a whole slew of guest appearances, Earth, Wind & Fire, Billy Preston, you name it, Aerosmith, it's got everybody. And it's, it's awesome. It's a really, really fun time, I think at least. And I want to ask you, nephew, where do you sort of place the borders between uh, what would be deemed as, as quality and enjoyment?
1: Mm. Yeah, I certainly did enjoy this film, but it was kind of like, you know, the way you enjoy some really seedy drama between close friends. You know, it it isn't it isn't great that it's happening. It's not it's not a good thing that it was put into this world, but you can't really help but kind of like, I don't know, take take some special privilege in being outside of it and being witness to it. Um, this film is like a car wreck in Technicolor. What? It is, yeah, but like it's, it's, it's glorious in its own way, but it is also atrocious without a doubt. Like what value
0: do you place on the enjoyment you get out of watching something like this?
1: I, I, I mean, in general, the enjoyment I get as, you know, something, you know, we talked before <laughs> about the the differences between appreciation and enjoyment and this I had, you know, zero appreciation for to a certain extent, right. maybe not zero, but pr- pretty close to zero. It 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 does some really horrific things to some really good songs, and a lot of my ability to stay with this film was because I would kind of be in a moment and be like, "Wow, this Beatles song is so good," and it was, and it's really just the Beatles song that is kind of anchoring me to the film, and that this film this film if you i mean you can't separate it from its source material as it is a jukebox musical but but what this film itself offers to that album and offers as a piece of cinema to me is nil sure
0: see i've i've especially recently have sort of eradicated in my mind the borders between enjoyment and appreciation, and sort of like, I don't know, like, if, if, like, I loved this movie, and at first I was thinking, like, am I just um, equating the fun I'm having with it to genuinely thinking it's a good piece of art, but, like, if I am getting as much enjoyment as I am out of watching this, I think it's genuinely working on a level that I can't not appreciate. And, but by the end of the film, I was just like, Oh no, that's just a really good movie. Um, And I, I don't think it's too self-serious. There's another Beatles jukebox musical that I loved as a kid called across the universe that I kind of hate now. And like, that is a Beatles jukebox musical that is way too self-serious for my own liking. But this I mean, one is, this,
1: it is, it is. And it's like in it, in how over the top it is, it is almost self-serious to me.
0: And even if it is, I think it's fantastic. Like, did I, did
1: you hear what the, what, one of the Bee Gees said about it? Yeah.
0: About Robin Gibb uh, said that like, this is what, Kids are gonna know Sergeant Pepper's by like yeah. this, is, yeah. Which is that's, self-serious, that, but the, that, he's not yeah. making the movie. He's not making the movie though. Like no, that's just the inflated just ego in of right. No,
1: no, no, no. Well, no, no, no. I think yes. I think that very I don't much. Your vision
0: in, of the oh, t- t- huh?
1: I think that when you are in a collaborative process like that, you very much adopt the mental, the, the 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 common mentality of the group. You know what I mean? If everybody right. thinks what they're doing is the, the next big thing, then like, it, it, even if the most important people on the project think what they're doing is the next big thing, that mentality is going to trickle down to everybody. And yeah, sure. He is the star of the show. So he's going to be more inclined to say it. But to me, this films, the way that the, the identity of this film really is that we are, we are <laughs> bringing something to the Beatles that wasn't there before. And that will never be forgotten. And no, I will never forget this film. But, Good. But not because it is the the most loyal, the most f- a fully realized version of the Beatles music.
0: I think it's. Um, I mean, I liked the the musical direction. I liked some of the George Martin uh, was the musical director. Some of the and...
1: performances were really bad by like the main cast. Like Strawberry sure. was terrible. She was terrible. <laughs> um yeah yeah billy Shears' girlfriend is named strawberry yeah yes, he got that awesome. right. but like some performances were really quite solid like um the earth wind and fire oh and out my game god of my life is Incredible. like legendary like, i loved the shit
0: the robo version of mean mr mustard was i thought really good no no, really i, that. I yeah. love and how, that
1: one. and how like five minutes in they gave they gave i'm fixing a hole to mr kite the mayor like it's just all so horribly tongue-in-cheek like they're, it's like it's like the people who made this film are like we are so fucking clever and we're gonna make such good commentary about oh, consumerism and how people oh, sell their yeah. souls away. Yeah. And how, oh, but then we're also going to, you know, make this a, the biggest spectacle the world has ever seen. You know what I mean? When really it's just like a disaster. And, it, and mm. at no point was I laughing with this movie. I oh, was always what? laughing at this movie. I, I, was, I was laughing with the whole time. Yeah, I don't this, know. It this was movie just rules. rules. I don't like. I it's 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 a, it's a camp masterpiece in its own right, but it is also uh, it it also does some really it does some dirty things to some good songs. That's that's how I feel. Like it it totally I mean, like, butchers the Abbey Road suite. For like, me,
0: for me, like uh, I don't know. It's like we'll always have the. Beatles version, so like these whack ass renditions ain't doing anything to it, other than I don't know, <laughs> adding,
1: other adding... than imprinting on my memory, and then when I hear the Abbey Road from now on, no, I won't be it, able to get. But there's no way you stinky would... BGs out of no, my brain. That's not true.
0: <laughs> there's no way.
1: No, there is no way. um, 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 um. yeah. I'm just, memeing. Yeah, there's also way too many songs in this movie. Way too many. Songs. Oh
0: yeah, I mean, there's hardly
1: any dialogue. Yeah. Well, it it takes on the the notions of a rock opera. But, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. To me, it's like, and also, you you read about the production history. Is that the the director did the off Broadway play? It got terrible reviews. Barely anybody saw it but he had just spent all this money on the rights to the Beatles music. And so now it's kind of like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna schlep this together. And I think also, as I mentioned on the previous episode, is that I am very quite interested in jukebox musicals. But, but to me, jukebox musicals need to, to, to find the narrative that is already present. It needs, it needs to extract something from an album and I think it should really just be an album just one singular album or you know focus mostly on one album and pull in some other things and it should it should try to to harness the story the original authors the musicians the songwriters harness the story that they were trying to tell and bring it to life whereas this really just feels like a how can we put this song after that song? Or, oh, how are we going to have a song called The Benefit of Mr. Kite? Well, let's just make a guy named Mr. Kite and then it's a freebie. You know what I mean? Like it really just doesn't seem like there was that much care put into the logic and the structure of this film and how the Beatles songs are going to live within it. It was really just how can we fit this in?
0: Man, fuck the Beatles' original intentions.
1: Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, maybe, but that's just my personal philosophy on jukebox musicals. And like what right. that is what interests me about jukebox musicals is like how can how can an album exist as something else? How can, right. you know, a band's, you know, like and their era, how can this certain era of a band, you know, like what is the story here? How can you tell it another way that is still true to what was there? Whereas this, to me, is not true to what I get out of listening to that album or listening to, you know, Magical Mystery Tour. Right. Is there I even th- a song for Magical Mystery Tour? No, it's what? only... Strawberry it's, Fields?
0: No. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I mean, that originally was just a single. But did they do they do Strawberry Fields, yeah? I'm pretty sure. I don't think
1: they did. Am I wrong? I might be wrong. Is it is it only Abbey Road and...
0: Uh, and then... Well, got to get to it's into my life, place. which is up over.
1: And uh, Long Winding Road. Right, Long Winding Let Road. Yep. Get Back is on Let It Be. Right, they did Get Back. Oh, yeah, I guess it was yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. This this just all felt very little little forced to me. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah, it's, it's totally
0: like, just like a money-making machine. Right? Exactly.
1: And it's like trying but to comment awesome. on that as well.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. And it's like, they, they have to fucking righteously take down the corporate pipelines that are poisoning us and going to destroy the environment and our ability to rock on as our hometown heroes. This
1: movie this movie is shameless and it reeks of, fuck you, you're going to watch it anyway because it's got the Beatles.
0: This movie's awesome and it's yeah. like the style and production, amazing. Like it, yeah, it is
1: interesting, but then yeah I don't know when when strawberry fucking randomly dies <laughs> dude that scene, sequence, that, that scene is, is gnarly that shot of her falling is, is it gnarly and then dude. she just randomly gets zapped back to life and it's just like oh my god it's like it's like cracking, nothing matters uh, it's like yeah. this movie this movie has no rules yes and it doesn't care and yeah it's, it's says,
0: anarcho-communistic and it's a radical ass beautiful goddamn experience
1: oh my god Oh
0: my God. I like genuinely loved watching
1: this movie. No, I mean, I had a good time watching it too, but I also have a good time watching cringe compilations. You know what I mean? Like,
0: <laughs> what's the difference between a cringe comp on YouTube and something like Mishima? You
1: know? Okay. Podcast over. I don't want to talk about movies with you anymore.
0: I'm just saying it's all the same to me.
1: You're right. Well, once shot by Paul Schrader.
0: Right, and one shot by
1: some other genius, a bunch of geniuses, I guess. Many geniuses. You're right. You're right. Who isn't just a a genius waiting to be awakened? But yeah, I don't know. You look at this. Um, you know, letterbox is far from the end all be all of um, you know taking filmic temperatures or oh nerdy uh, assigning ass- assigning quality. Sinifies. Right. Exactly you know like um but it is i'm always fascinated by um by films that kind of have like that that gap tooth looking rating right. thing. The sort of because
0: cult following potential right
1: right a lot of the a lot of the lows a lot of the highs you know and uh nobody nobody can make up their mind about this movie
0: i can make up my mind and i legitimately think it's righteous it's great i love yeah I it's righteous it. I it. it's
1: righteous but so is a flood wiping out the entire earth for 40 years and that's that's a different kind sins. of righteous no, uh, no it's the same kind of righteous. No, no 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 this the,
0: we will this be, is like tubular kind we of will
1: be smote down because no, this is Jesus
0: tubular creed. it's tubular. no
1: this 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 is an act of sin it's
0: far out man
1: it is no. an act of sin.
0: It's so fun. It's beautiful, too. Like, it's really bizarre. And, like, so many of the filmmaking elements just would, like, every time something new would come up, I'd be like, oh, wow, that's genuinely some beautiful, challenging cinematic images.
1: Yeah. Also, a lot of my favorite songs got totally punted. So I was all pissed off at that.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, of course.
1: Like, when they turned When I'm 64 into, like, a rape fantasy check please
0: oh and maybe i was checked out during that TV. yeah
1: maybe it's too too into it too you're under the hypnosis maybe oh i have a question are you you grew up listening to the beatles
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah like, i'm, a, I'm like a like beatles movie. obsessive for those yeah listening. Right, right
1: right like right, uh, for me uh, my parents were really into the beatles but i really didn't like the Beatles too, too much after like a certain age. And then yeah. I was also like, totally like three edgy, five me, like the Beatles are the worst band ever. La Mal. Um, Cause everyone's like, my favorite band is the Beatles when right. you're fucking 10, you know what I mean? And you've heard six bands. Um, but then it was only around college that I actually started listening to the Beatles. And I was like, well, this is great. But I only really like their middle era. I was, I was talking to a coworker about this today that that their first couple albums sound like the, the Beach Boys white noise that's going on in the Tammy show for me and then their like later stuff is like I don't know like it, it just seems like they with the with the discord that was going down that they're very much just trying to get through everything but I don't know is is Abbey Road their second to last album
0: it's the last one they recorded second to last released
1: wait is the last one they recorded really
0: Yes, Abbey Road's the last one they recorded in 69.
1: Oh, I thought they recorded Let It Be. No, Let It
0: Be was recorded before Abbey Road but released after.
1: Okay, well then never mind. It's only their early stuff I don't really like that much then because like Abbey Road slaps, uh, Sgt. Pepper, obviously, White Album, and mm, Mystery Tour. And then like Revolver and Rubber Soul. uh, Soul. I'm kind of like... I like them, but they're not like on the same level as those other four.
0: I when it comes to them, I don't even think they released a bad song. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. You know. Sure. I'm, I'm that uh,
0: that kind of guy.
1: Yeah. You know. The the Beatles. They yeah. uh, They do be beatling. You know what I mean.
0: And like yeah, this this for me it wasn't like they butchered my boy. This for me was like hell yeah. This is absurd this is fucking absurd but it's i don't know it's adding something it's it's fulfilling its own little bizarre niche
1: within Th- this movie is the reason why the music Beatles. rights are so expensive <laughs> is that they just can't just give them out to anybody anymore because we can have look another with the, look with the do it yeah. yeah yeah exactly exactly oh but uh, one thing i did want to mention that that reminds me um, about the tammy show is that um a lot of like hip-hop in um electronic based music samples so many songs from that 60s era so it was was cool to like experience those songs in that way and to like be able to recognize snippets but not necessarily recognize the whole songs but like all of them because you know there are like grandparents and our parents favorite songs were played a lot probably in our childhood and are just part of that you know like subconscious sonic I, i
0: actively listen to like all that kind of shit though
1: Oh, you actively are listening to, like, Chuck Berry and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It isn't super often. Like, for me, like, I listen to, like, electronic music and, like, I guess kind of, like, indie rocky alternative kind of stuff from, like, up to the 2000s. Indie psych rock. And then 90s, I'm all about, like, grunge. 80s, there's some punk stuff I like. And then 70s is, like, all prog. And then everything else is just missed. Yeah, there's like music before the 70s I hardly ever listen to
0: right yeah i couldn't be no i mean I, I i go all over
1: well it's it's mostly whatever years Bob Dylan put out an album which the is
0: the early 60s to now so which is yeah but uh, you should
1: you should listen to more um wartime tunes and jazz standards
0: i mean i get some of that stuff in
1: No, no, no! Not like funky new imaginings of jazz. No, I know, I know.
0: I like Benny fucking Goodman type shit.
1: Benny and the Jets.
0: That's Elton John.
1: You ever listen to Thomas the Tank Engine? That song goes hard, bro. That should have been a jazz standard. If only they had the technology back then for Thomas the Tank Engine.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh huh. Whatever you say. This was June movie month. It's over. Bye. Bye. I guess. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) What are you laughing at?
1: Laughing at your goofy ass. All right.
0: Oh, nephew, my nephew, a baby little child. I'll wrap you up in cloth and I'll give you a bath. Oh, nephew, my nephew. You're such a sweet child. I'll protect you from demons and lay you to bed. And don't you go touching my nephew. You done? You
1: good? Yeah, well. You chilling? You chilling?
0: Bing chill.
1: Bing chilling.